Coffee Talk. Talk. Let's, Let's get, get buzzed. Buzz. 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 Welcome back to another episode of DJ Coffee Talk. Today, we are incredibly excited to share with you guys our interview with San Holo. The fact that this interview even happened is still beyond my comprehension, but I'm incredibly happy that it did. And here's a little background on the episode. In November of 2021, San Holo brought his Baby OK tour to the legendary Rialto, a famous venue in Tucson, Arizona. To be honest, since we live in Tucson, we knew that we were going to be attending this event from the moment that it was announced. But originally, we had no idea that we would have the opportunity to sit down with San Holo and nonetheless actually get to interview him in the backstage green room of the Rialto. The fact that that happened was a culmination of some insane luck, being friendly with the right people, and being ready to take advantage of an opportunity if it presented itself. And insanely enough, it did. Even before we had the opportunity to interview saw and just the night was was awesome and right when we thought it was going to end um somebody came along asked we want to go backstage and next thing we knew like the night had just started we we're sitting there talking with son Polo yeah. and the stage production crew and all the guys uh, in the backstage area so it was like I'd, i feel like the night had layers it was like a great night it was a great show then we were about to go home and call it call it a great night as it was and then something came along and we're like, oh shit, now we got a whole new whole yeah. night on our hands. Yeah, and I didn't know that it was the creative director that was talking to our friend. Yeah. Um, when he had come over, I thought it was some dude who had been at the show. And then yeah. we started walking down a dark alleyway with him. And I had some some tensions, not the right word, but some trepidations, trepidations about doing that. And I was yeah. like, maybe this isn't the best thing, but it's the whole old adage. I mean, if your friends all jump off of a cliff, would you too? Do it as well or off of a waterfall. So I was like, fuck it, I guess we're doing this. San Holo was at the bottom of the waterfall. I yeah. fucking do and it. And then we ended up going back. <laughs> and then they started registering every step we took that we were going back to the private yeah. you know, trailer in the back where the all the artists room. were hanging out. Yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to go over our experience attending the show back in November, give some deserved background information on the artists that performed, and share some of our favorite live clips of the sets from that night. We're going to be structuring the episode as if we're going to be going to the festival with you guys. So we're going to start with the opener and then work our way down to the man himself, San Holo. I hope you stick around to hear about the supporting acts, but if you prefer, we're also going to have timestamps in the description of the episode so you can jump ahead and hear about any of the supporting acts or jump straight to the interview with San. Thank you all for listening and without further delay, let's jump into the opening act. Rome in Silver. Roman Silver's real name is Vinny Pischiata, and the chances that I butchered that last name are fairly high, so please forgive me. Vinny is a DJ slash producer based out of Orange County, California. Like most of the artists we'll be talking about from tonight's event, Vinny has a discography that sneakily bleeds and blends between genres, but he himself proclaims to love the four on the floor style, even though you wouldn't necessarily call what he makes house. He also seems to have this knack for delivering really funky bass lines that propel his songs along and get you caught up in grooving to the track before you even can recognize what's going on. Vinny has a long-standing relationship with Bitbird, and for those unacquainted, Bitbird is Sanho's eclectic and growingly prestigious record label. Roman Silver actually released his first and third project of his EP trilogy on Bitbird, 
The first EP, Like Lightning, and the third, Makeshift Moon, have landed beautifully on the Bitbird label and, in my opinion, feeds into the strong lineage of music released on the Rogue label. It seems only fitting that the up-and-coming Bitbird-related DJ opens up the night and gets the crowd warm and loose. The first song I wanted to show off from his set was actually the first song of his that I had ever heard, and it's actually a remix of Bikla's song, No Place. I think overall it's an extremely groovy track, but also I thought it was a great example of how a remix can hold the integrity of the original song while also incorporating the unique sound of the covering artists. Here's the clip of it being played out live at the Rialto. The second song from Roman Silver's set that I wanted to showcase is his original hit, Fade, that was actually released on his Like Lightning EP through Bitbird. So I'm guessing this particular song must have been really special for him to play out on San's tour. Here it is live at the Rialto. After the show, I actually had the opportunity to briefly meet Vinny backstage in the green room. I'm a huge fan. Oh, I just wanted to say that, yeah, man. You, you killed it tonight. I was so excited to see you. Yeah, absolutely. And even though our exchange was limited to me telling him how much I love his music, my instant take was that he was a sweet soul and was appreciative of the love. So with that being said, make sure to follow along on Vinny's journey as I'm confident he is on an upper projection and has been releasing music like a madman lately. You can find his music everywhere and catch him on his social medias all under Roman Silver. So if you like his music, follow him and show him some love. Thank you for your great opening set, Vinny. Now that the crowd at the Rialto is all warmed up from the Roman Silver set, the next artist takes the stage with the supportive and excited applause of the crowd. Chet Porter, also known as Papa Chet, also known as Portmeister, also known as probably none of those because I just made them up, is loved by his fan base not only for his music, but his personality and lovable persona. His hardcore fans are probably aware of Chet's struggles with anxiety, but the average listener may not be aware of them. A few years ago, they actually got severe enough that it led to him asking to step down from an opening slot in San Jose's debut album, Album One, tour in 2018. So the fact that he is here on this tour is important for a lot of people and the reception that he receives when he comes on stage shows it. Chet Porter is based out of Toronto, Canada and has recently been making headway in his efforts to cultivate and better define his unique indie infused sound after a roughly three year break from releasing music. Chet is known as an incredible producer and creative but found himself in an anxiety inducing fork in the road after receiving an overwhelming amount of attention on his track Stay released in 2016. 
While on tour with Odessa that year, he received some advice to essentially double down and, and take advantage of this swell of an audience and to release a ton of music. That didn't quite feel right to Chet, so he did the complete opposite. What he ended up doing was taking some solitude and time to himself to reflect on what he wanted the project to be. Finally, after the three-year break, he broke his silence in 2019 with a track titled The Longest Day Ever, which lyrically seems to be a vulnerable admission of his mental state that formed somewhat unexpectedly on his journey to becoming the artist he is today. The five-minute song interrupts the beautiful lyrics only to explode into what I can only think to describe as a euphoric, explosive wall of sound that feels like an embrace to the listener, welcoming them back to the newly minted version of the project. Chet followed that track up with others in the same vein of authenticity, and in a highly anticipated joint project, teamed up with Alice in Wonderland for a song titled Bummed. It's a track that talks about feeling like giving up sometimes and struggles with going to therapy, and is incredibly relatable on a lot of different levels. Here's a clip of the song that we caught live being played out at the Rialto. The second song that we caught live at the show was a song that he collaborated with San Holo on for the Baby You OK album. For those that don't know, Chet spent a considerable amount of time with San during the making of the project, and this song is part of the joy to the fans that resulted from that process. The song actually occurred towards the end of the night when San brought out the whole cast including Chet to help play the song live. It was one of the most memorable parts of the night, and I thought the clip belonged best here in Chet's section. Here's the song called You've Changed, I've Changed. Son brought on stage Chet Porter and um, and Roman Silver and Casbo all to kind of play. Uh, you've changed, I've changed. I think that was one of the highlights of the night and something I'm always gonna remember. But um, Jack, do you do you remember the the moment when they all came on stage and played that last song? Mm-hmm. That was so that was so cool. Um, overall, what did you what do you think about uh, Chet's set? 
watery. I don't know. <laughs> well, you did have a lot of like aquatic visuals. That's why I'm thinking. Yeah. That's where my head goes. That's why. Yeah, do- dolphins <laughs> and fucking. I forget all the. It was very aquatic though. Most of the visuals were like a very undersea. watery. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of in, if I'm riffing off of that too, kind of a, a meshing us in this, you know, blanket of sound, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and it's even though it went faster tempo, I would never say it was aggressive. You know, yeah, it was more like, you know, vibey, chill, and then it would still pick up in tempo and have that energy and that kind of that increase in you know frequency. And I mean that technically. Well, it's funny. Um, I thought you would get a kick out of this when I was researching it. He described his own music as. Uh, music you'd pet a dog to yeah no that is 100 percent how i felt you know he's on point there you know yeah. that, that is the experience i got from the music he was he was putting out there it was like aggressively petting my dog yeah not yeah. even it's just like more quickly petting my dog yeah like enveloped in compassion and mm-hmm. love and he's just like hugging hugging luna yeah it was like a hug it just kind of squeezes you know the serotonin out of you and you feel kind of enveloped and which is really great like as you're opening up i think that's really well structured you mm-hmm. know warming yeah. up into the next act yeah which casbo was different which we're going to talk about that in a yeah. bit but that picked up a bit more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we got into the you know the main act exactly yeah it's it's a great point is um uh, as we're starting to you know see as we're digging into this like the lineup was very well um decided yeah. you know by son i'm sure he put a lot of thought into this when he before he even reached out to the artist i but, think it even that's him working with his creative director we got, yeah we got the privilege of meeting as well when we went back but yeah that's probably some of his he works with son on this but he says hey like it's like looking at film for a sport you mm-hmm. know it's like how do we want to create the best experience possible that yeah. aligns with our mission yep yeah which I'm sure a lot of artists put a lot of thought into, you know, who they who they tour with and things like that. But this this night seemed to have a very clear definition of like the 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 vibe, the emotion and the feeling that Son was trying to purvey. And it all led to like a perfect pinnacle of, of his set. So, um, you know, not to be too, too complimentary, but bravo on the, the selection of artists because yeah. it was it was dope night. With Chet wrapping up his set, things are clearly starting to heat up in the night and people are starting to pile in into the Rialto. The next set takes a few minutes to put together because of the live elements in the set needing to be set up. Drum pads, guitars, and a lot of other electronic toys that the next artist is going to be using in their set. Carl Gasbo, better known by his moniker of Casbo, was chosen to be the direct support for Son Holo on this tour. To be honest, at first I was a little surprised that Casbo was given the direct support role instead of Chet, just based on what I knew about the artist going into the night. But seeing Casbo's live set was a surprise for me and the group that I was there with. And now I completely understand why Casbo was chosen for this direct role support. Casbo is known for his emotionally driven, pop-structured, and electronically-essenced songs, not unlike Son. But what I didn't think we fully understood going into the night was Casbo's ability to bring his songs to life during his live performance. He effortlessly spanned multiple genres and the clip that I wanted to highlight from his set that night shows exactly this. He goes from his remix of a recent release from an illicit artist named Fred Again straight into a Kanye West sample and then pulls it right back out into a really fun dance track. It's a little embarrassing but you can hear some of my group's reactions to the mixing. Here it is live at the Rialto.
So Casbo is a name that I had definitely heard um, going into doing research on on the lineup and everything like that. But it, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan. Like I like his music, but I, I guess I want to talk to you, Jack, about kind of our expectations going into the set versus mm-hmm. what actually showed up like Casbo showed up and and did because I think it, for me at least it was entirely different how do you feel about that um yeah I'd agree with that um I've listened to Casbo kind of here and there over you know a couple years mm-hmm. um but specifically I usually think in like in visuals so like the thing I remember is the album cover mm-hmm. or uh, I think it was World Away but I might be wrong if you fact check Manny anybody um but what's on it is paracosm and the definition of paracosm with this little bat moving background mm-hmm. and paracosm is an imaginary world that children tend to create or children will create where they'll kind of play pretend and escape reality and, or enter a new reality altogether and it becomes its own universe. I always felt like that, you know, when I listened to his music, that's felt like what I was getting transported to. Mm-hmm. And it was usually going into another universe doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, Zen like and beautiful and serene, Mm -hmm. but through his music, I always got that feeling. Yeah. Like serenity, peace, nature sounds escapism. I don't like, I don't think that fits, but more just trans just mind traveling and spirit traveling to another dimension is what I felt when I would listen to what his music. Yeah. And to your point, you know, you'd kind of, talked about how maybe our when we'd seen him live it was a little bit different than what we'd expect but in a good way mm-hmm. but he threw down some heavy shit yeah you know? so yeah. some more demonic type of stuff yeah some you know heavier you know aggressive uh type of music that really kind of ripped you yeah pleasantly you know out of your, your you know experience yeah pleasantly is a good word it wasn't like abrupt you know um a lot of times duality i feel like in music is hard to approach if you go from one thing to the opposite um but he had a really great way of transitioning from some of the lighter more natural feelings that um we were talking about that he had in his set transitioning them to the more darker heavy things Which he did he very just, well too in my opinion. almost yeah. seamlessly it was yeah. gorgeous it really was um and I think as far as my expectations, um, I try not to have expectations going into set. So I should say about the reality of what, what occurred is that, I, you know, during the set, I think captivated was a really great word for kind of where we were at, our friend groups, when we were, you know, sitting in the audience. Because looking back, I don't have much of any recordings from that set because I wasn't thinking about recording. I was just like kind of uh, totally entranced in what was going on on stage. Part of that, I think, is... The fact that it was a live set versus a DJ set, I think inherently you get a little bit more um, uh, entrenched in what's going on on stage. Not saying, I mean, obviously I love DJ sets, but with live sets, I think you're a little bit more zoned in. But beyond that, I think the music and the set itself did a really great job of just like sucking you in into the, you know, the paracosm or the world that Casbo was trying to create. Creating in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Make it, it. Make it an experience live. And, you know, I think it was only fitting that uh Casbo be the direct support for San Holo because I think you know I, I hope I'm not misspeaking here because I'm sure there's people that also do it but in my eyes I see San Holo as one of the people that pioneered that type of live set with having the base of you know DJing and then with his album one tour he uh, kind of did something he was a pioneer and he did something advantageous and introduce some of the live instrumentation i think that's something relatively new to the edm scene at yeah. that point in time i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i can't think i can't remember or come pull to mind many artists that were doing you know solo like guitar riffs and, and 
yeah. adding the guitar into the DJ sets until yeah. Sonhole started doing that to your point yeah. of him, you know, being a pioneer in that space. Yeah. Before we get fucking shredded for that, I am absolutely sure there's people that have done it before, but in my eyes and our, you know, niche of where we got into the scene, um, from our perspective, it seems like he was the person that at least brought that to the forefront. Like he was the one. Yeah, if anybody wants to shred anybody to shred me, because I mean, no, I, I say ignorant things all the time, so yeah. I'll take it. I don't really care. <laughs> I'll take that's how I learn. That's yeah. how you learn. Well, he's let's say that he's maybe one of the first uh, main stage EDC artists that I know that of did that did that, there which is pretty fucking cool. So, um, Casbo, direct support for San. Thoroughly enjoyed the set. Not going to say I wasn't expecting to because I was, but uh, it was a different layer of um, enjoyment than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. So like Jack and I were saying, there were quite a few more sections of the set that I would have loved to have shown you and included in this, but I was too entrenched in watching him play guitar to even think about recording them. There are also a few times in the set where I felt somewhat paralyzed or hypnotized and harmoniously balanced with the rest of the crowd, which I think made for an incredible supporting act and got the crowd completely locked in for what was about to come. And now the set goes dark, and the crowd is cloaked in anticipation. Eventually, bits of ambient music that somehow has the San Holo signature sound start to slowly get louder and louder, until the tall Dutch DJ takes the stage adorned with a setup of live instruments. San Holo, born as Sander van Dijk, has been developing his sound over his career and is now showcasing the most updated version of his project as encapsulated in his second full-length album, Baby You Okay. The emotional connection that this artist's music has on his listeners cannot be understated, and the growingly excited murmur from the crowd demonstrates this. The set that transpired is nothing short of exactly what the crowd seemed to be anticipating and what I was waiting for since the moment I bought this ticket. Before we get to the conversation we had with the man behind the music, let's go through some of the highlights of the set and some of our favorite clips we got. The first clip here is of San's one of two collaboration songs on the Baby OK album with the vocalist by Polar Sunshine, who is one of my personal favorite vocalists in the EDM music realm. The song's name is New One and it carries with it positive and inspiring lyrics to take each second as a new one. San opens the song with a few words and then lets it play out. It was a beautiful moment in the set to experience with the crowd and it felt as if San was having a conversation with us. Here it is. Next clip that I wanted to show here is called Do You See Me? And it happens to be one of the songs from the album that I was most excited to see played out live. 
and it most certainly did not disappoint. Here it is. And the final clip I wanted to put in here is the song that San chose as the closing to his Baby You OK album. The track One More Day is a beautiful pondering on what words would be worth using if we knew we only had one day left. I love the notion behind the question of the lyrics, and to see San play this out live to a crowd full of people, with his live guitar tone drenching them as they now stand still and a general sense of wonder, was really quite beautiful. Everyone simultaneously mulling the simple, yet thought-provoking lyrics. Here's the audio from that special moment, live. This set was full of moments bursting with emotion and does what really any good art can do to you. It makes you want to ask questions about it and discuss it with the people around you. And that is exactly what our group was doing outside of the Rialto on that cold November night before we were unexpectedly thrown into a situation where we were actually able to ask those questions to the artist firsthand. We knew that this was a once in a lifetime experience and although we plan to keep doing these types of interviews, this one in particular will always hold a special place in my heart and I know Jack's as well. So without further delay, here's our conversation with the man behind the project San Holo in the green room of the Rialto. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, genuinely, I appreciate you. No problem, man. Yeah, I know you want pizza probably right now. You're ready, yeah, ready to chill okay. out. So, we'll, we'll cut straight to the chase. Um, That's what I'm going to say. Well, you can stay if the song is required. As long as you're quiet, yeah. Thank you, Tim. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off by asking Are you familiar with the uh, interviewer Nargor, by chance? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> I like to start off the interviews with a little Nargor moment. And with you, I'm a huge fan, but I was watching your album one documentary and I saw you had your um, album, uh, or sorry, your studio all set up back home with your father. Um, uh, yeah. I was watching the, the documentary and I had a weird moment where I saw the, the red rug in your room. The red rug. The red rug. 
Okay. It yeah. is the same exact rug that my girlfriend bought. Really? For my first house with her, and it was just oh, such crazy. a trippy moment. It's got like the really integral patterns and things. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's my studio in, the, in my hometown. Yeah. In the Netherlands, I think. Netherlands. With my dad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my dad built that studio. And, uh, actually, the drummer I shared that with uh, must have put that rug in there. Yeah. He's really good at like interior design and stuff, so he mm-hmm. put that stuff in there. But that's, that's super, like, coincidental. <laughs> it, was, it was a trip, but. Also, I could tell when you were in there, it seemed really sentimental to you. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be? I mean, it sounded really cool. You built it with your dad. Uh, yeah. So my studio, uh, back in my like hometown in the Netherlands, really small town, like no one really knows about it. Uh, it's called Zutermeer. And uh, I built a little studio with my, with my dad and my friend, Tim, uh, who I shared with. And uh, I made most of the early song home songs there, like Fly, Rewise, uh, the Cosmos EP was, was born in that little space. Mm-hmm. It's not a very high-tech studio, it's just a nice room with a nice ambience. And uh, yeah, it's very uh, a warm place. Yeah. Warm mm-hmm. place. Yeah. It seemed very beautiful, but we're very far from the Netherlands right now. We're in Tucson, Arizona, yeah. and we were kind of having a moment where we weren't sure if you were here before, but now that you've, you've been here, you what do you think of Tucson? What's the desert like for you? Well, to give you the, the, the honest answer, man, like yeah. when we were poor, if you, you arrive in the morning around 10, yeah. um, I'd probably go to bed around 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I wake up at like 12. Um, then I got like, had to do some interviews. I had to do an Instagram live. I had to do a social media post. Before you know it, it's like three. Uh-huh. <laughs> then you gotta do a sound check. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta do a meet and greet with 50 people. And then we had another meet and greet here with like um, Friendsgiving. So we, I ate like dinner with a couple of fans. Oh, um, so I literally had not had the time to explore any of the city at all. Really? So that, that, that's the. It's, it's, uh, it's not. It's it's a weird lifestyle, man. Touring. Yeah. It's it's not as romantic as some people think it is. <laughs> no. I do get to see a lot of places, and I'm so grateful for it. It really shaped me as a person. The most beautiful days are the days when you have a day off the next day, so you can stick around a little longer. Yeah. But we just came from. Uh, do you know where I was yesterday? You were in. Uh, oh, I do know. Was it Albuquerque? Did you come from Albuquerque? Yeah. Yeah. It was Albuquerque, and tomorrow I'm going to Phoenix. So, and it's like literally like I only, I've only seen this venue today, but the people seem really nice, and there's there seems to be really like a good crowd for the front of music. So yeah. definitely love to come back. Um, please, please do. <laughs> you were kind of touched when you made your first. You started making your first releases in that warm studio. I mean, in your music itself, it seems like you're trying to communicate that warmth and that connectivity through your sound. Yeah. Can you kind of like bring us into that and what that's like? You know, you're creating that unity. And, you know, that, yeah. is that kind of like a purpose for you, like a soul's purpose almost, where you're just saying, hey, through yeah. these sounds and through this music, I want to bring people together. You know, well, there's been a lot of ways of making music. There's things. You know, some people get like vocals from somewhere else and they, put it on chords they get from someone else and they kind of puzzle it all together but for me it's really everything has to come from me mm-hmm. so I write most of the lyrics uh, sometimes with, with my close friends you know people that I've known for years and that I've had experiences with and that I've built memories with everything comes from a very genuine personal place 
And I think uh, that's what I try to communicate in a, in a non-verbal way. I think yeah, even, even the instrumental songs, they feel like the, the songs that have lyrics. It's you know, the same warm feeling of, of uh, um, connectivity in a way. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, uh, I think the most beautiful thing about music is when you can't really put it into words. Definitely. It's a feeling. It's a... Uh, a container almost yeah, yeah. space yeah and I noticed that a lot of uh, when I come to the shows the people that I meet at like these meet and greets and stuff they kind of have the same kind of feelings and struggles in their head like mm-hmm. existential thoughts about you know life and, and uh, appreciation for the, the little things yeah do you think that's what brought you to create music in the first place as you were grappling with those feelings? And it's like, I need some way to express that, but I can't do it with words. I think, I think when you start music, that's, that's not really, uh, that's not on your mind. That's, mm-hmm. like, that's something you find out later. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's, but that's very correct. I think well, my music for me is the only way to truly express myself. Yeah. I didn't know that, like, 15 years ago when I was 15 I just wanted to play guitar yeah yeah, 100% and, yeah. And, and, but now I really feel like that why I made probably why I got good at it or why, why I'm still doing it right now is because it, it gave me something it gave me something um, that was, was bigger than myself almost you know it, it added so much to my life and, and uh, it made me feel like I had a purpose in some way yeah. even though I don't think there is really a purpose, but it made me feel like I like like I have one. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. I know. I know your roots are. are it's still recording. It, yeah. It just goes dark. It does. It is recording. I, I just never trust technology. I don't either. <laughs> we had one interview where we messed up with that, so we make sure like yeah, yeah we check recording. obsessively now. <laughs> um, I know your roots are um, starting in a, in, a, in a rock band. Is that correct? Yeah, rock band, all kinds of bands, yeah. All kinds of bands. And obviously making the jump over in EDM, you said it was a difficult one, but it seems like now you're transitioning kind of back into, like at the end of the show, having the guys come up and play on stage with you. Is that something you feel is still in your heart? Like you want to continue like playing with other people? Yeah, yeah, I think actually, this song, Hobo Project, is, is only a... Uh, a I won't, I won't call it luck. Mm. It's, it's, it's a coincidence in a way, but I, I made it happen myself by doing music every day, almost 24 seven, you know? Um, I think, let me, let me find a, a good way to phrase this. Mm. Sorry, can we repeat the question one more time? Yeah, no worries. Just wondering what like, you think about is is playing music live with other people, like a, whether you call it a band or just with other people, like performing. Do you think that's something you want to do in the future? All right. Yeah, I think whether it's a guitar for me or a synthesizer or a trap beat, mm-hmm. I feel like that, that last song I played today on guitar, Mm-hmm. You know, if I would have put a trap beat on it, I would have still sounded like me. So mm-hmm. whether I play like an EDM track or make a guitar song, I hope. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. I hope that in ten years I'll still be making music, and it's probably not going to be EDM as people know it today because everything is all evolving. Yep. And I hope that people still hear that like 
kind of song whole emotion in there. Yeah, it's the essence. It's like yeah, kind of, yeah, it's yeah, the, the essence, essence of the sound. Yeah. yeah, I hope people people still. I think that's my in a weird way my my strength to you know I'm not just like making EDM bangers. You know I I I, I can remix all of my songs with an acoustic guitar and make it sound like a acoustic song. Um, I think that's really communicated a lot in your music too. Thanks, yeah. it's, very it's just a, you know if if I was born twenty years ago, I would have probably had a metal metal project or metal band. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's just like the the, the early. What was it? I started producing music in 2013. Mm-hmm. That's when this stuff was on the come up. You know, that's like people yeah. started getting like laptops. Like it was more accessible, and started home recording my music. Started making EDM, and now you see these kids. They're like now these 16 year old kids. They they literally get their first laptop when they're seven years old. You know, so they're yeah. extremely talented. Like yeah. I see these kids, they're 16 years old, and they make tracks. That I I can't even make myself. I'm 30, but they're so skilled. They grow up with te- telephones, technology, mm-hmm. internet, and they are so skilled. So it's like evolving so rapidly, and it's it's so inspiring to see that. You know, because it's these kids are so talented. It's really music is also in a way so connected to society. Yeah, you know, and what's available technology wise. Yep. It's uh, it's just a, it's always evolving, and I hope that with with my you know range of skills, I can kind of keep keep evolving myself too, and keep it interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, personal opinion, but it seems like that's what you really did with this the second album, Baby You're Okay. Thanks, it seems, yeah. Seems like you really. I mean, obviously, like I said, there's still the song whole essence there, but you really are pushing the boundary and, and pioneering in your own sound. Thanks, man. I feel like it's, it hasn't really connected uh, fully yet. I, I do mm. feel like I'm doing something new within the genre. Uh, it's just, you know, I feel like I put a lot of nuance in there and kind of find a lot of little details of like making guitar sound a certain way. But I, I feel like people are sometimes not really the people that listen to my music and support me are definitely there yet. But like the, yeah. the bigger the, the masses, they they don't. It's it's maybe too subtle still. It's it's okay. uh, it's I don't know how to. The guitar is a guitar for people still, you know. Yeah, right. I can do a lo-fi guitar or like a you know a vintage guitar from the 60s but a guitar is still a guitar and sometimes I get stuck in that like nuance thing like if I think of all these little details where the bigger picture matters more but on the other hand these people seem to really connect with the little details I put in so I just I'm just gonna keep going and see where where I end up (laughs) you talk a lot about the little little details and I've heard you talk before a little bit about this but I wanted to pick your brain about the idea of like beauty and imperfection I know that's a big part of your music making process, but like, yeah, what does that mean? To you? It's it's a more like a, it's a battle with myself. I want everything to be perfect. Yeah. So by you know sometimes being okay with things not being perfect, um, it's like it's like uh, training myself <laughs> because uh, even after tonight, like there's so many things that were not right. Like, the laser didn't go off the right time. Mm-hmm. The confetti was stuck on the left side. The, the 
audio was, was glitching at some point. No one notices this, yeah. but I notice it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes being being okay, I think sometimes being okay with these little imperfections makes makes life a lot easier. Yeah. So it's it's the music is also teaching me something in that way, you know. Yeah. Trying to not always perfect things or or keep things imperfect. So. Do you think dancing with that imperfection and acknowledging it almost allows for some of that beauty? happen in the first place you know you mean dancing what sorry I'm um, just allowing for that imperfection and yeah. I was kind of even saying like dancing and acknowledging it and then yeah. still creating what you're yeah, creating I mean, out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. allows for the beauty of I think the it's a day. feeling that's it I think it's a feeling as long as the feeling uh, is there is present it doesn't matter if something goes wrong or it's not perfect as long as the general feeling of life and, and happiness and the, the vibrancy is there I think that's then the job is done. But it's really easy to get stuck on these little details that no one really cares about but me because my mind I'm trying to it's a, it's an O C D thing. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely I've never been never been uh, diagnosed with it. Yeah. But I think I definitely have an uh, O C D kind of character. Senses mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And uh, trying to kinda of let let things go sometimes and music is helping me. It's beautiful, and it, it shows that from somebody else who's seen a couple of your a couple of your live performances. Now, um, you seem like you're a lot more almost in control, but your presence is a lot more comfortable on stage. It seems like. Do you feel more comfortable on stage now? It's a fifty-fifty thing. Yeah. I think I get more familiar with the, the art of performing and yeah. entertaining. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm. Content or comfortable completely on stage, but I it gets easier. Like if you're on stage every day, you know, like it's it's easier. Um, I'm getting better at performing, and also I'm getting better at uh, smiling when things go wrong, and just like making <laughs> sure the crowd still enjoys the show and trying to cover it up a little bit, you know, instead of like getting insecure about it. And like it's it's uh if you do something a lot, then you get better at it. Yeah. Do you think that insecurity affects the energy at that point? Like if you're getting worried about those things, it just it affects I, the vibe. Yeah, if I if I get insecure because of the you know, things go wrong or the sound or whatever or my playing or uh, of course I, I'm not able to communicate that energy as well as when I'm on oh, something magical happens when you're completely in your element. I only had yep. a couple of times mm-hmm. on on stage where everything just felt right and magical thing is I, I felt it firsthand like, when, when everything feels right and I'm in my element I play faster I can sing better you know so it's really it's really uh, interesting how to get to that point yeah I'm curious would you mind talking about what those moments were do you remember like specifically when those were when you felt like totally in your element yeah, yeah it's, it's the moments where you suddenly don't think about about the the performance it just happens it's, it's like people call it flow mm-hmm. it's flow you know like it's, it's when things just happen naturally and, and a lot of times I'm still in the, in the process of like you know going off of cues in my head now do this now do that now do that mm-hmm. sometimes it just flows because it's just and I come off stage and I'm like well, what just happened 
it's already done. I didn't even like, like realize all this stuff was happening, but it was great. And I look back at videos and like, we're crushing it. And uh, it's interesting. Flow is a, is, is, is a special thing. I would imagine tour's got to be especially weird for you. If you're doing that every single night, you're looking back like, oh my goodness, this, yeah. all these things are happening. But yeah, we, we review the show almost every night. We sit yeah. down, we record the show, and then we go over like, okay, this, this needs to be better. My, my guy, Thorwald here, mm. he's, a, he's my creative director, he's been on tour with me, and every day he's been updating the visuals. Yeah. Like every day, he's like, oh, that something's missing here, that's that. The lyrics here, or that that's at you know, he's speed up here, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a process and it's kind of cool in a way. You've seen the, the show evolve from day one to like day 35, right? It's like a world of Yeah, it's yeah. like a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's a really um, big thing for you having a good, good base of people around you and a team around you. Yeah, I think good people, uh, mostly good people, like, as in. Nice. People, yeah. You know, like I think you are who you surround yourself with, and I see it in the crowd too. You know, like I, I get. I don't want to brag, but like most, like the support. Most of these people that open up for me love playing for for uh, my my followers, my supporters, mm-hmm. because they are they are so appreciative and open to, and that's that's hopefully also what shines through my music. You know, like it's openness and appreciating things around you. Kindness, this kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Son, I want to respect yeah. your time, but I do want to close with one question. Um, one of my couple of favorite songs off of your album is Find Your Way. What yeah. would be a word of advice for someone generally if they're trying to find their way? What would be something you would tell them? Sorry if I put you on the spot. No, that's okay. Find your way. I think I don't want to sound like a I feel like that song is really good. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't feel like that song has gotten enough credit yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's maybe because of the pandemic or it was not the right time, but I really felt like that song was a, it's just really a, really a, and it's not like I I wrote it with my poor sunshine and one of my close friends, Lucker, mm-hmm. aka the Nicholas. Um, it was a really that was a really good example of when we're in a flow. Mm-hmm. And things just kind of happened, and suddenly that song was there. And it was such a real thing. I really feel like such a relatable song. Yeah. You know, like very much mindful down on a summer day, hold your head up as the sky turns gray. I think that's a great lyric. Uh, well, what's my advice for someone who tried to find it? Like, literally, I don't think there's one way. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not. You go through ups and downs in life. And, um, I'm 30 now and I'm still figuring shit out, you know, so it's also about being okay with, with not knowing exactly where you're headed as long as you, um, one thing that worked for me that I realized is that I always doubted myself in, in, in my life, always doubted myself, I always um, felt like, uh, you know, with everything, with when I went for my driver's license, mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't do it, yeah. and I couldn't do this, and I couldn't do that. I had to like take all these lessons, but I know like, if I kind of believed in myself more, yeah. and if I would have had a little bit more confidence in, in what I could do, instead of talking myself down like I can't do this, I can't do, it, I'm not good enough. Yeah. That really helped me back for a long yeah. time. 
And especially when people around you don't 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 tell you. Sometimes you just need people around you to be like, hey man, you can do this. Yeah. I feel like manifestation is real and if you tell yourself that if you believe that you can do it, you can accomplish so much more. Mm-hmm. So believing in yourself as even as a, a cliche as it must sound, it is something uh, it's a muscle you have to train. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think that whether you get into a low in your life or a high, that muscle can help you find your way in your life. So, <laughs> That's a beautiful time to end. That's a great way to end it. So, thank you so much. Yeah. I can't no, tell you very, music needs to be. Thank you. You're very welcome. Any questions? <laughs> thank you for your time. I'm going to take some pictures with these people outside and then uh, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. do. Please yeah. do. Um, can we get a quick picture with yeah, you for the, for sure. the podcast? Okay. Remember the moment that he uh, saw and initially like walked by. We were chatting with some of the artists and and the creative director, and then all of a sudden he's wearing, <laughs> wearing like this uh, purple sweatshirt, and I just see like a a breeze of purple go past me, and I was like, uh, still not registering to me that we we're backstage with Son Hollow, and then I was like, holy shit, that was Son, and then he comes into the circle and starts talking and completely starstruck. I can't you know, speak for you, but I I don't know what the oh, hell to yeah, say. I was just like, I blah blah blah. I don't know what to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big old eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then we get the opportunity, you know, we hear about the opportunity to possibly interview him. So we're trying to scramble and create some baseline of questions that we ended up not even really using per se. We, we tried to. And then I think he's just such an interesting person that we veered off and just asked kind of what was what was on our mind when um, when the time came. But yeah, those are the best interviews, too. Yeah. You got a structure, but you know, yeah. you're with a human being yeah. as well. You know, yeah. see what they got. Yeah. they got to say you know um, and not just uh question answering machines it's mm-hmm. like well, what do you, who are you yeah you know, as deep as you're willing to go no nothing forced exactly yeah and uh just you know final final thoughts on meeting a famous artist after years of listening to them it's just such such a trip and i think initially it does lead to that feeling of like starstruck but then um you know they're like like you mentioned they're just they're just other people that are you know creative and they're in a, a position in their life where they're doing really cool things and they want to share that and they want to be I think they want to be treated like just people that have a passion and a mission and I think if you do that goes a long way. Yeah, I think it's interesting psychologically that we you know when we idolize someone we separate them like that yeah. you know mm-hmm. like the degrees of separation increase and it's yeah. like oh you're not a human you're insert you know celebrity <laughs> yeah you know? and you see him at like a Chili's yep. Good old Chili's analogy. Welcome to Chili's. Uh, yeah, I always use that, but I mean, they're eating too. They do the same things. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great lesson for life in general. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. No matter the position, not to say you shouldn't respect someone for what they've done or their own unique talents. And right. The things about themselves that they get to express in whatever way they do. But at the same token, you know, we're all human. Yeah. I think it's just a lesson in like recognizing people for their, their strengths and attributes and that they're, you know, can be incredible people out there. But when it comes down to it, we're all human. You know? I think that goes the other way too. Yeah. You know, upcoming artists, you know, as yeah. well. If you're not that big yet, yep. who the fuck? I mean, who, I, that does matter definitely. Like size and who who's viewing it matters on one level, but on another level, it's like if you're, you know, producing, you're 17 and yep. you're hanging out, no one knows who you are, but you love what you're doing, and someone's nasty to you, then it's like that's their problem. Yeah. yeah. The problem, if you're, it's the same passion that drives a creative. I mean, not the same exact reasons, but that, um, that desire to create and inspire. And, you know, I think it's, 
give or take are essentially the same, um, no matter what part of the process you're in. Yeah. It's an animating force, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and it's just your ability to, you could call that the muse. Mm -hmm. That's your connection with the muse. Yeah. And then you're working on your ability to interface with the muse. Yeah. And that's just where you are in the experience. And you could say, if we're looking at a spectrum, more experienced artists like Casbo or San Holo, Roman Silver, Chet Porter. And then you have like up and coming people, you know, and everyone's working to get to that level of mastery. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and in, it's never perfect either, which I think you'll notice in some of our questions when we talk with San, he talked yeah. a bit about perfection and, and, and seeking that perfectionism and trying to hone his craft every day, even though people might look at him like young up and coming producers yeah. who really idolize him and say, he must have it all figured out. It must come easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's one of the, I mean, I appreciate the entire conversation we saw him, but I think one of the parts that stand out to me is him, you know, being vulnerable and talking about the fact that he never feels like he's entirely in the zone and that everything's going perfectly for him. So you, you look at someone like San Holo who puts on an incredible night like this and has like dope openers. He does great on stage from the outside looking in. It looks like it's all made like this guy is doing incredible and is dang near perfect. And then for him to say, like, I never feel never feel like everything I'm doing is perfect, I think yeah. is really revealing. It's interesting that you you said vulnerability there because I thought that's a really interesting perspective that you just noticed or that shared a good reframe from you and I appreciate that is he was willing to be that vulnerable to and open up to us which was cool you yeah. know get a little bit deeper in the interview which was amazing even though it was short and it was like 10 to 15 minutes I don't yeah. know the exact time but it was nice to be able to get a little bit deeper than cliches with them mm -hmm. and cliche industry questions and get a little bit deeper into yeah. who Son is you know yep. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with San. And if there's any possible chance that San is listening to this, thank you so much. And it was incredible to meet you. Also, thank you to anyone who's listening. Jack and I both appreciate the love, period. As a quick plug, I want to remind you to give us a follow on social media, subscribe to our channel, and stay tuned because we plan on having more honest conversations like this one with as many artists that will sit down and share a cup of coffee with us. Well, that about wraps it up for us today. To send us home after sharing a night with these incredible artists, here's a clip of San serenading the audience with the melody of a song released on his Stay Vibrant EP that he put out in the middle of the pandemic and honestly, it served as an emotional crutch for me on many a long quarantine days. The song is called If I Could Only Hold You and it feels just as much like an intimate musical embrace tonight as the rest of the set had been. And it was the perfect encore and felt like the only way to send out the episode. Again, thank you for listening, and as always, stay caffeinated. Whoa.